The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure, guy whose idea of a marathon is to binge watch a TV series, Josh Borboni. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. Uh, I'm tired. It's been an exhausting uh, Father's Day, but a fun one. And since I wrote that myself, I can say, yeah, a five k is the most running I think I've ever done, and it's been uh, before a kid, so it's been at least six years. <laughs> so no more, no marathons in my future. Well, I feel like chasing your kid around gets you plenty of of mileage done each day. The yelling is what helps. They don't <laughs> have to run. <laughs> awesome. Well, also joining us this week, a man who just participated in a marathon of his own. Mr. Tom Vassell, welcome to the show, sir. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, I have a quick question, though. You said you were exhausted because you ran a marathon today? <laughs> no, just being a dad. <laughs> how, how many kids? How many kids do you have? Just one. I know. I know. <laughs> that that sounds tough. <laughs> it, it does sound exhausting. All right. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, I know, and I and I'm always painfully aware when I talk to people with more than one child how <laughs> minute my problems really are. <laughs> but he's five, so I feel like he's like ten children. Yeah, well, Tom, we're really, yeah, Tom, we're really thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Um, you know, for those of us who, for those listeners who might not know who you are, can you just give us, you know, a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, uh, well, I'm uh, I run the Dice Tower, which is a video uh, show that is about board games uh, and the people who play them. That's our goal. We review not every board game that's ever been designed, but we try to come as close to that as possible. We do top ten lists, we do live playthroughs, we do for all kinds of board gaming content. I have a fantastic team of people who work with me and do a, a great job. Uh, we also run a few conventions for board games over the course of a year, and uh, and I've done the podcast. I still do a podcast now, but yeah, board games all time, all week long. Nice. Well, we thank you. We thank you so much for being here, um, and to both of you, Happy Father's Day! I appreciate you both hey, being here on Father's Day uh, to well, record. Um, not something I have to worry about, but I'm happy for uh, very <laughs> happy to celebrate the two of you and the work you both do as fathers. Um, and we should be clear that it's much later in the day here, so we're not like ruining Father's Day by doing right. this. And as everybody in the world knows, Father's Day and Mother's Day usually end around noon. Everyone <laughs> treats everybody fantastic. You're like, Mom, we made you breakfast in bed. Mom, we're doing this. Mom, oh, it's noon. Okay, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, events you run, uh, we've talked about this on the podcast previously, but 
next year is my wife and my 10 year anniversary. It's not until October next year, but we've been trying to do this big trip. And we finally, after watching a vlog this year from the Dice Tower Cruise, uh, we booked our Dice Tower Cruise. So we're super excited to be going on that. Uh, her first cruise uh, since she was like a kid, and it will be my first cruise in a long time. So we're very excited to play some board games with uh, all you fine folks at the Dice Tower. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. The cruise, I mean, even if there was no board games, cruises are amazing. Anyone who's never gone on one, I don't know how to explain it because I was very suspicious of cruises before I went on one. And it's the, one of the most relaxing vacations in the world. It's so stress-free because... You don't have to worry ever about where you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to do. And then you add board games in the mix. Yeah. My word, that's amazing. Yeah, we're very excited. Can't come quick enough. So one thing we always do on the show before we actually get into, you know, the typical stuff is we have a little rigmarole at the beginning here that we, you know, do some pre-gaming. Uh, Tom, one of the big things I wanted to kind of ask you about that's, you know, separate from the, the interview portion we'll get to at the end is y'all just wrapped up your 30 slash 36 hour, depending on how you want to look at it, marathon. Uh, number one, what, you know, I'm a, what goes into planning a marathon of, of that length, but also, you know, why, like, I get the, you know, you got to do it for the Kickstarter backers and all of that stuff as, as the stretch goals, but like, why do we, why, do, why are we so enamored with like marathons? Cause I know I watched a big chunk of it, but why are we so enamored with these things? You know, it occurred to me halfway through the marathon that we should have done a blog about the behind the scenes stuff for it. Um, so I'll, I'll do the why first, then I'll do the how. So the why, initially I did it because I thought it would be a funny thing to do. And it was so exhausting. That very first one, we put, turned the camera on and ran it for 24 straight hours. Um, I made a pretty tactical error of starting it at... No, no, I did the, the first one correctly. It was the second one I made a tactical error. But um, we started at 10 a.m. in the morning or something like that and went to 10 a.m. the next morning. Um, which means when it was done, it was still daytime. And then we're supposed to go to sleep. But a lot of things happened. We did stuff on camera. And people just liked it. People like seeing you get loopy. People like um, seeing, you know, they want to see things crash and burn a little bit. But I think a lot of people like it because it gives you, especially nowadays, in this current, you know, years with all the, a lot of people staying at home, um, it gives you some friends that you're hanging out with. And you're they're there. You wake up and you turn it on and they're still there. I don't know how to explain it, but I know that's what people like. They like the idea that they can switch on and off and say hi to you all. Now, as for planning it, I've learned over time that I've the 24 straight hours or however many hours, I can't do that anymore. I'm too old to do it properly. Everyone gets pretty grouchy and angry near the end, and you're trying not to, um, or people are falling asleep on camera. So we switched it to the 30-hour marathon. This was one of my ideas. I think I often st steal ideas from my employees and tout them as mine, um, like a true Thomas Edison. But uh, I, we, we run it for 36 hours, but we take two three-hour breaks. And I do that for two reasons. One, so that we have a break. But two, we're all off camera. We all do a meal together. And it's just a good time of camaraderie. And we've had a lot of good ones. This last one was the best one yet. I, I bring in people for these and I think about people who do two things. One, are fun to watch on camera because most people aren't. I know that sounds terrible, but most people are fun to play with in person, but playing on camera is a very different thing. Um, you have to always be on. You can never just sit there and think. That's very allowable in person, but not on camera. 
And secondly, I want to bring in people who get along with us. So um, we're looking for, you know, people who just, you know, they, they fit into that niche because the Dice Tower team is a really, really strong bond that we have right now here in the studio. It's crazy. We're like family, brothers and sisters. Um, and that's fantastic. I love that. So when you bring other people into that mix, it's like bringing a guest star onto a sitcom, you know, that's, that doesn't always gel. Right. So we want to bring in people like that, but we know those kind of people. So we bring in people and, and some people are like, who are these people? It don't matter. They're fun to play games with and they're fun to watch. Um, and so we brought in at uh, this time, we brought in uh, one of the, someone from our board game group, Alex, and we brought in Amanda, who does some reviews for us and Jenny, who's done some stuff for us in the past. And then it was the Dice Tower team in the background. Before it, we have to work ahead a little bit. We have to record reviews ahead of time and stuff because I want to have the day before it free. We have to sit up and we always do some testing of microphones and things like that. I always buy a ton of food. One thing we learned in the first marathon was if you eat on camera, there are people who get offended by that. They get offended by the chewing or they're like, hey, you know, that makes you fat. And while I want to throttle those people because come on now, you know, no one says that to you when you're eating. Right. <laughs> it's amazing sometimes the things people will say online that they went like, I would never go up to someone and like, if I was on a subway train and be like, sir, you're drinking a Coke. Do you know how bad that is for you? <laughs> But people will do that online. So we yeah. eat off camera. And I get a lot of food because eating during a marathon is pretty critical. It really is. It keeps you awake. It keeps your energy going. And we have just various – and we want to have both a mix of healthy foods to keep us healthy and unhealthy foods to keep us awake. Um, and so I get all that stuff ready. We clear everything out. And this one specifically, I absolutely refuse to make a schedule for. That's one thing I've learned when we make a schedule – People get excited about it, too excited about the schedule. They look for it. They're like, oh, he said he was going to play Blood Rage at 3. 3 o'clock comes by. We're still playing the last game. We're two games behind. So then I'll be like, you know what? We're just going to skip Blood Rage. And then people go bananas. So and we also, we do paid playthroughs on our channel. We do sponsored content. I wanted this to be nothing sponsored. We played anything we want to. We played some of the newest games out there that nobody has yet. And then we played really old games that people never heard of. I just wanted to play a wide variety of stuff. And I think we succeeded. And then at nine, it's funny because that last hour I was on camera doing stuff. Everyone else was frantically cleaning up the whole studio. And at nine, when we finished, we were like, shut everything down. Pop, pop, pop. We were out in 10 minutes. Everyone went home, went to bed. Nice. <laughs> you know, so that's how it works. That's awesome. how to do it. That's how to do it. And we did extra life. We do extra. I do extra life every year, which I guess is my marathon, right? 24 hours of gaming. And I drive out, I'm in Massachusetts, we drive out to New York, and then at the end of it, it is everyone's cleaning up, so you're really doing like an extra two hours when you're dead to the world, and people are just frustrated with each other, and they want to get out and get the food in the cars, and so that's nice that you can just kind of turn it off and get everyone home. Well, it's not even rested. just that. I also, I bring in enough people, so for this particular marathon, we had 11 different people. So we were able to all take sleeping shifts. Two people did not. I won't mention their names. But I mean, even those people took naps at certain points. But I went home. Uh, we shut the cameras off at 6. We all went out to eat. We were done at eating at like 7.15. I immediately drove home, jumped into bed. I was asleep by maybe 8, got up at 1. So that's five hours of sleep. Not a lot. Yeah. But it's 
some sleep is better than none. And I came back in and was able to do the rest of the marathon. And I found that letting everybody sleep like that really helps out. Nice. Very cool. I will say my uh, favorite part of watching the marathon is we were watching at one point and um, <clears throat> my partner uh, Roy and Mike were playing um, Marvel Dice Throne and she's like, oh, this game looks really cool. I'm like, yeah, it is pretty cool. And she's like, can we get it? I'm like, well, it's not. I mean, it's kind of out, not really out yet. She's like, oh, was it a Kickstarter? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I did back it, though. So we have it coming. And then she was like, oh, yes, this is so good. Like, anytime I can get, like, someone else to validate my Kickstarters, like, I'm always really excited about that. So big props to Roy and Mike for validating that Kickstarter backing. Uh, that was super exciting. So, Yeah, how's that Kickstarter or Gloomhaven going for you? You know, eventually. Well, eventually we'll start playing Gloomhaven. Someday. Someday. When Frosthaven right. gets to your doorstep. I know. But I thought, yeah, when, when I Frosthaven, then I'll start Gloomhaven. So... But it's just too many too many campaign games. What are you going to do? Uh -huh. What are you going to do? Uh -huh. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are proud to be part of the Place and Video Games podcast family, and we encourage you to check out all of the shows like the PSVG podcast, the Nintendo Shack, PSXP, and Dollar Cinema. You never know when a new show might pop up, so be sure to stay tuned to all your favorite PSVP, PSVG podcasts to stay up to date. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast archive, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, we're going to move and talk a little bit about what we've been playing recently. Josh, why don't you kick us off? What have you been playing, sir? Yeah, we'll do some quick hits. Um, if uh, you saw Forza Horizon a lot uh talked about their new hot wheels dlc and of course i showed my son the video and every morning he says daddy can you play the hot wheels game uh not the actual hot wheels game but the the, the expansion and, and of course this morning was no different so i had to explain to him it's not out but i fired it up anyways we found this really cool semi truck that had a Optimus Prime paint job, and he was over the moon just to see me driving Optimus Prime around in Mexico. Uh, so that was fun this morning. Pretty quick, light, did some some driving and some road unlocking. So that was fun. Uh, been playing Ninja Turtles, the new, new, old, old, new Shredder's Revenge. Uh, I didn't play six players at the same time, which a lot of people seem to th find pretty chaotic, which I'm sure it is. Uh, but I was able to trick, convince my wife to play, uh, I think, of almost 10 levels of the game with me, which was a lot of fun. They really did a great job keeping the, I guess it's just Turtles in Time or like the side-scrolling Ninja Turtles beat-em-ups. They really kept that... Uh, feel but they added challenges in like hidden things throughout the maps um, and there's more like uh, nods to older Ninja Turtles villains and stuff in the game so they did a really good job with it so far I'm really enjoying playing that uh, still playing Marvel Snap Tom do you know what Marvel Snap is by any chance uh, it's what Thanos did to destroy half the universe it is what he did yes <laughs> it is a mobile game made by one of the gentlemen who made Hearthstone it has locations in it um, where I've compared it to friend of the show, Colin Flores' game Guardians, where you have three different locations on the map. 
and you're essentially vying for control over these locations, uh, which give you special powers when you play on them. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes uh, awful. <laughs> uh, pretty challenging. I'm almost up to, I, I don't know, I'm crushing that season pass. I'm really doing really good work with that. It's only on Android right now. It will be coming to iOS Oh, then soon. I don't care. Android <laughs> only. Boo. <laughs> Uh, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite mobile games I have ever played. And I think, Kyle, you're right. I think it will be in my top five so far for the year. It's really nice. uh, very special. Uh, and lastly, but obviously certainly not least, the Gloomhaven campaign continues. Uh, we're getting there. We're almost done. We're almost at the end. Uh, Can I the, ask a quick question? Are you Are yeah. you playing it in person or on the steam so i do have it on steam but i'm playing this i have a group well i have two friends i play with we only get to play about once a month and you know covid was even rougher with that so we're definitely further behind this is about a three year long campaign now so um but yeah we're playing in person uh which is nice i got the um some i bought some of the 3d printed pieces like from like third parties on etsy and stuff for like door tiles and treasure tokens and stuff just to like add, give it that extra oomph not that it needs it uh, but it's real nice to do that so uh, uh, yeah my buddy just retired his third character last night so we're in end game we just finished his like arc we did our first dungeon where um, it's like the randomly generated dungeons with the cards so instead of like Kyle in the game, like I know Tom knows, but in the game where uh, you t typically would open up the book to a map of the wherever you are, and it will tell you what to set up and the pieces to pull. Uh, and in this in this mission, we had to go to these cards that were filed away, which give you random monsters and random locations and random traps and all that. So uh, I really liked it. It made it definitely more challenging, uh, at least. In my in our heads, it was more challenging, probably because we weren't like looking at it all in front of us at once. Because uh, that's one of the tricks, and I know they're fixing it with Frosthaven. But when you open a map in Gloomhaven, it kind of just shows you where everything is. So if you're the person who's looking at the map, you can try your best to not be aware of where bad guys are going to spawn in a room. Uh, but it, it is still a little challenging to avoid that. And I thought that those cards made it more maybe along the vision of what they wanted it to be or what Isaac I think was the actual playing it on uh, on Steam actually does it even better. Oh yeah, for sure. Cuz it does it with the whole thing. Yes. But yeah. I, and I, and I actually find it um and I I know that Steam kind of removes some of that human error that can make a game a little bit easier or harder, but I find like yeah. playing Gloomhaven on Steam is incredibly difficult. <laughs> I'm like, that just means you whoa. cheat a lot. That's what's going on. Then, if exactly, that's the case. exactly. I'm like, oh, we got a house rule that. We got a house rule that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And that's what we discovered uh, very quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's all I've been playing, Kyle. What about you? Well, I see a big TBD there. Yeah, big that TBD means nothing. That's going <laughs> to be, be nothing because yeah. and I don't know if listeners know. I've mentioned this a few times, but. Uh, so my doctoral class has started this week. Uh, so, yeah, I, I did homework. That's what I did this week, Josh. That's, that is... Homework on the end of COVID. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. Josh, I'm recovering from Josh, COVID. you cannot accept this. This is not a fair <laughs> thing because he can throw that doctoral thing around all the time. He'd be like, oh, do you like this game? Well, no, I'm a doctor. You know, he throws it around because no yeah. one can say anything about it. No one. I mean, if you say I'm working on a doctorate, everyone's going to go, that's a good thing to do. And I'm going to be starting too. You should have, you should have played more <laughs> games, Kyle. That's what you should have done. Now, to take your mind off the doctorate. I, I agree. I agree. This is like literally the first week of my doctorate though. So I, I did want to at least make sure that I was, you know, starting off on the right foot. In fact, uh, I, what I've discovered is that, you know, no matter how long or how old you are, um, even though I work in higher education, I talk to students all the time about being successful. Uh, when you become the student yourself, you definitely procrastinate still. And I actually still have homework I have to do after this podcast. Let's do by midnight tonight. So, you know, we always do that. We're always getting those things done. But I, I shouldn't say I haven't played anything. I haven't played anything new is the biggest thing. Um, we did play. We, we um, actually busted back out just recently Sleeping Gods um, hmm. and c- continued our second campaign in that. Um, th- that game is still – I just still absolutely adore that game. And um, I feel a little bad because the debate was whether we go back and play Sleeping Gods more or we actually try Familiar Tales, which we haven't played at all yet. Um, and, you know, my partner was just all about going back to Sleeping Gods and – that one run through, I feel like we saw, I don't know, 15% of the game, maybe. Um, no, it's just such... you didn't even see that much, I don't think. <laughs> so, and it's just such a cool world to go into and be in and just knowing that we can just basically go in and go a complete different direction um, and have a completely different and new and unique experience. So uh, we, we did start doing that again, um, but the TBD is just nothing new that I've been playing. It just really was going back into and, and playing more Sleeping Gods. So, Okay, but... I learned from Tom. What I'm, you did play something and you held on, you held back on me. So, well, I know this is nothing new. I feel like I've (laughs) talked about that game so much on the podcast that I can't imagine listeners are excited about hearing more about Sleeping Gods. Well, for me, I was working on my post doctorate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and you still played 30 games. (laughs) Yeah, no, I actually, I think we played 25 games in that period of time. I think that's what somebody said. Someone counted them all. Uh, no, so, um, over the weekend. Uh, so I picked one mobile thing. So I've always been a big fan of logic puzzles. You know, I know the biggest one in the world is Sudoku, probably things like that. I like a puzzle called paint by numbers on the mobile, which is basically a bunch of, it's a grid. And in each row and column, it tells you how many boxes are filled in and you use those numbers to fill in the whole thing. It makes a picture. I love doing that. And so I've been doing that on the app. Uh, it's a good way both to test your mind and to fall asleep. Uh, on the PS5, I've been playing tiny. Tina's Wonderlands, um, which is a change of pace from playing Elden Ring. Uh, So (laughs) suddenly I'm not dying all the time. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm invincible in this game. Uh, But I do like it. It's it's basically Borderlands 4. Although the Borderlands games all tend to be the same. I couldn't tell you the difference between 1, 2, and 3, honest. I mean, I know the differences, but what I mean is they really haven't changed gameplay. Um, but in Borderlands 2, they did a module at one point for it, uh, where Tiny Tina, Assault and Dragon's Keep or something like that, where it, it added role-playing to this futuristic shoot 'em up game. And people liked it so much, it was very good actually, that they made this whole game. It's a shoot 'em up game that's set in a role-playing game that's first-person shooter. It's very odd. You're casting spells and picking up guns and shooting everything in sight. It's silly. It has the Borderlands humor in it. Um, I would argue, I would argue that it's not as um, it's Borderlands Two is not quite wholesome, um, right. but but Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is 
better as far as I can tell that. Like I play it with my kids around and I haven't seen much. Maybe maybe there's more I'm not hearing or seeing and stuff, but it's mostly just, you know, you're shooting a bunch of skeletons and pirates and and doodads. Yeah. Um and then for board gaming, all weekend long here, I've been marathoning again. Uh the X-Men, my X-Men United pledge showed up. And since I would like to do rankings of all the heroes and villains, I am playing all the heroes and villains. Huh. There is as far as I can tell, there are 80 heroes, which I have ranked right here. Um, and wow. I got I got the heroes done. The villains, I'm still working on them. Um, it's wow. a lot. There's a lot. I love this game. I love this system. It's a sequel to Marvel United, but brings in the X-Men. It's so fun, and it's one of the few games that I like playing with other people and solo just as much. Nice. That's great. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, that we're going to transition then to the main topic of the show, which is, you know, just talking to Tom a little bit and, and picking his brain about all things board and video games. Uh, one thing, Tom, you might not know is that when these things happen, I tend to talk a ton and ask a bunch of questions. So I have now been forced to just not talk at the beginning and let Josh nope, take over for as long as yourself. he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I did this to myself because I want Josh to be able to participate. <laughs> Otherwise, I just do the whole thing. So with that, I'm going to just stop talking and turn things over to Josh. And he's going to take things away until he tells me that I can talk again. Okay. So we do have a large video game audience. So I, I forgive me and us. I'm just going to lump Kyle in here with me. Forgive us for asking you this, but... Uh, and we both know the answer to this, but can you uh, tell tell our listeners about how you got the Dice Tower um, started and, and I guess more importantly, why you got the Dice Tower started? Well, I actually have, I think, like a six-hour video you can watch on the internet that, you that do, tells yeah. you that. Um, <laughs> so the short thing is I just, I've always liked games and I went to Korea for a decade of my life. And when I was over in Korea... I started playing board games with my wife and other people and I was like, ah, I want to tell people about these games. So I started writing reviews for fun, just for fun. And I have a tendency, you know, like I just said, I played Marvel X-Men United and I played all 80 heroes and almost all the villains in one weekend. That's kind of how I do anything in life. So I just kept reviewing and reviewing and reviewing and reviewing and reviewing and, and it just got bigger and bigger. And then one day I decided to do audio because I heard about this new thing called podcasting. Um, and then a little bit later, I heard about this thing called YouTube and started doing videos. And when I came back to America, it got bigger and bigger. And I finally said, I have to decide between this and my actual job, which was a teacher. Um, and so I made the the, uh, the the questionable decision of going full time with it. And it worked. It worked. I got very fortunate. Not only did it work, but a year, two years after I did it, or maybe the one year after I did it, I hired Z Garcia and then Sam Healy and then more employees this time went by. We now have like 10 employees at the Dice Tower um, doing various things and keeping the whole system running. And uh, yeah, um, I like doing it though. I do it not because of money. I mean, let me rephrase that. I do it because money, obviously. You want you want to be able to uh, you know afford to, to take care of your family, but I love doing it. We're recording this Sunday night. I am excited about going to work tomorrow. And I know that's not the way it is for everybody. Not everything at work tomorrow will be fun and terrific. There's a lot of work, but I like going to work. I like my my employees and coworkers. I like gaming. I just have so much fun doing it. Great. Uh, well, uh, that's going to lead into my next question because I think you, you 
you answered it. You love doing what you're doing, which probably explains why you have so much content out there. It's astounding to be honest. Uh, there are my dice. My feed is dice tower all day, every day. It feels like you guys are putting out multiple videos a day. Uh, I know I can always rely on my boring unboxings to keep me a little less bored at work. Uh, at least once a week. Sometimes you get a surprise twice a week. Um, so can you just talk to us like, because you do a lot of, at least from what I can see, the technical side too, as far as like setting up cameras uh, and getting audio equipment. So what's the most challenging thing uh, with producing all this content? And if I don't want you to pick your favorite because obviously that would be uh, impossible, I would guess. But do you no, have what's your, uh, most satisfaction my out of there? <laughs> my, my favorite straight up is the top tens. I love nice. doing top tens. I like doing top tens in life. You give me a top 10 on something, I'm like, let me work on that. Top 10 <laughs> of this, you know, um, one of my favorite YouTube channels is Watch Mojo. Um, yeah. They do top 10s and everything. I mean, they're getting ridiculous at this point. They're like the top 10 anime characters who were stabbed to death by a jilted lover. I'm like, okay. Anyhow, um, <laughs> my least favorite thing, the most challenging is the administrative part. I don't like that. I don't like doing anything that involves money. I don't like, you know, there's, I have to make schedules up and things. It needs to get done, but I, there's just so much administrative stuff. I get a couple hundred emails every day. Like I didn't check my email at all yesterday, um, on Saturday. And I paid for that today by working on a lot of the email. Um, so emails and stuff like that, that, for videos, the most challenging thing is hands down the rules explanations of games. So we do a quick rules summary of many games, and it's just a lot of work to set that up and record it and do it. And if you make any minor mistake, people are going to call you out on it. I would actually like someone else to do all my rules explanations for me. Unfortunately, or fortunately, and this sounds this is a humble brag, and I don't mean it to be that way. I think I can sum up a game pretty fast. Um, I, I can explain how to play a game really quickly for people. And so I like doing that. And I think it makes our reviews better because I'm not there to tell you every detail. I just want to give you a feel for the game, but that's still, when I do a review, that's the hardest part. The, I mean, talking about a game and why I like it, that's yeah. easy. Nice. Okay. And is, so would your top tens be would give you the most satisfaction? That's your like, Oh, I love doing just your favorite in general. Yeah. Top tens are fun. Whenever a top 10 is coming up, as soon as we make the, the, put it on the schedule. I've already made the top 10 list. I like doing that part. Nice. Uh, but I also like doing them. We have a really good camaraderie here, um, especially me, Mike, and Z. The back and forth we have in our top 10s is just, hmm, I love it. Yeah, it's, I honestly like uh, even going to PAX Unplugged and going to your panels, like you guys, it's like watching friends like rib each other while they're talking about their favorite games. And you can kind of see where some of the jokes are going to come in soon about fill in the blank game that Z loves or even when Eric's up there. Sure. And those are our favorite ones to do is the live ones. Cause that live audience reaction. And I'll tell you ever, we made a decision a couple of years ago to take most, much of our content live and live is dangerous because there's more technical problems and people to give you no mercy. They're like, it's not streaming. You did this, you messed up, but man, seeing an actual live reaction, what you do keeps you going. There's a reason sports teams do better when people cheer for them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, and I, and I, it's funny not to throw shade at anybody else, but like I would 
when we were going to sit down to play a game, I would always see if you had done a review first before I even cracked the rule book, because I do think that you did a re- you do a really good job at explaining how the game plays even before you get to the 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 highs and lows of the game. So we would always watch those videos at first to kind of see how easy it is to play or how like if I'm going to be reading that rule book twice or not, which is something that happens too often. Uh, right. That's probably a me problem. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Uh, so we are born a video game podcast. I know we now know that you have a PlayStation Five, uh, but what I think we would like to know is uh, what's your history with video games? Uh, we know that there is now. I don't have to ask if any. I um, really like video games a lot. Um, I just I'm not big into the scene. One of my employees gets a magazine. I don't know which one it is, and I read it every month um, because we keep it in the bathroom. So plenty of reading, and I read the whole <laughs> magazine. And um, I keep up to date with it. I got into gaming way back. Uh, my first systems I played, my grandmother uh, had a Nintendo, which is a little odd, come to think of it, because back then a grandmother owning anything was a big, was an odd thing. But she had a Nintendo and I had a Commodore 64. Um, so those are, that's what I started on. And then as I went to college, in college I had a uh, Nintendo 64 um, and I sold that to buy my wife's engagement ring which I've never regretted. Uh, and then I had a Game Boy Advance for a while. I played lots of computer games, lots of computer games. Uh, but nowadays, um, I was on a Switch pretty pretty strong for a while until my kids stole it, mostly. So nowadays, most of my gaming is either the PS5. Occasionally, it's like, I'll come home from work and say, I'm going to play it for a while. And I play for like an hour or so. Uh, but I also play a lot on the iPad. So I play mobile apps and things like that. My favorite kind of games are strategic games. I don't know off the top of my head what my favorite video games are, but some of them would be Final Fantasy Tactics, which is one of the greatest games ever made uh, because it's like a board game, but it's such a good game. I played through that entire thing up to level 99 with all my characters at least six times. I love it. I like most of the Final Fantasy games or the old school ones. The new ones I'm, I'm not as into. Um, I like open world games a ton, so I played through Skyrim like 25 times. And seriously, will they make a sequel already? Um, <laughs> it's been 11 years. Um, I know the space one's coming out like this yeah. year or whatever. Uh, and I like like Breath of the Wild. I played that for a while, and I've been playing Elden Ring. Uh, Elden Ring, which I thought I would hate. I really did, because I don't like games like Bloodborne and things like that. But man, that game has the best open world I've ever seen. And things like Borderlands. Borderlands is more like, I'm mad at people in general. I would like to kill a lot of things. Borderlands is really good for that. And just to clarify, I never feel people like killing other folks. But it is a good way to let steam off in a video game. Sure, sure. So, and then I just like puzzle games. That's the kind of games I play on the iPad. Although Final Fantasy Tactics is on the iPad too. But yeah, I like playing video games. I just don't play them all the time. Because they are a time sink, and they're not a time sink you spend with other people. Yeah. Yes, I know you can play games. Nintendo's pretty good at having games to play in the same place, like Mario Party and stuff like that. And with LAN, I'm saying LAN, sorry. But with you know Discord and things like that, you can play <laughs> games with people online, but it's not the same thing as sitting around a table to me. It just isn't. Sure. How do you feel about board games in video game universes? 
That's pretty cool. I like a lot of, I mean, we just, a couple weeks ago, we did our top 10 apps, or mobile apps. I like them mostly on the iPad, um, mostly because I like the touch screen. Like I've never even had a little desire to do a board game on the Switch because I don't want to use that controller to do a board game. Sure. Um, but the iPad, you can touch and just drag stuff. It makes it really easy. Nice. Cool. Kyle, you got questions? Well, I got a bunch of them. I got a bunch of them. <laughs> All right. So, Tom, we're four months removed from the last episode of the Dice Tower podcast. And in that episode, you mentioned that, you know, you hadn't really wavered at all on ending the podcast, that you still felt really good about it. And you weren't certain if you were going to feel that way. You know, now that we're four months later, how are you feeling? Do you still feel like that was the right decision? Do you miss podcasting? And I mean, obviously, I know you and Eric have your other show that you're doing, but like, how are you, what are your thoughts on that now? It is a little weird starting that we did a new, we have a new podcast called At the Table with Tom and Eric. And that's a weird thing to get into. I'm still, we're still getting our feet on it. I think, you know, we, we do a pretty good job at it because we've worked together so long, but I got to be honest, I don't miss the podcast because everything, the podcast I got from it, I now get from my live stuff. Anything I want to talk about reviews, games, and so on. I did. I now do on, um, our, our show. And, you know, I'm sorry. I just had an idea for the dice tower. Sorry. That happens occasionally when I talk about these things. Um, Oh, it's a good idea. I'm going to do that. But anyhow, um, I like this sort of thing. I like talking with other people. And the podcast was great. It was fantastic. We ran for 750 episodes. And I think we did a lot of good for the hobby. But no, I don't I don't miss it as much. I also really like the video aspect. Now, don't get me wrong. I like podcasts. I listen to them all the time. Uh, but I also like being able not to be on other people's podcasts. So before, I just never felt like it because I was always busy doing my own. Gotcha. Okay. So it's not coming back. It's not. <laughs> All right. I, I know. Um, I'm, I'm happy with where we ended. Well, I mean, it's, you know, 750. That's that is quite the legacy of podcasts and, and, and plenty of back catalog for people to go listen to if they want to. Um, you know, Tom, you had mentioned that, you know, doing top 10 lists are your favorite things. Obviously, every year you also do your top 100 favorite games of all time. Um, and this is something that is kind of like appointment watching for me that every time these lists come out, I, I always sit down and watch them and, and eagerly anticipating the next episode. But one thing I've always wondered about is what is your process for actually getting to, cause like, you know, as you've mentioned, there are thousands of good games. There's so many games that are out there and, you know, you all talk a very briefly at the beginning about kind of how you, you know, figured out like what your list is going to be, but like, how do you figure out if a game is going to go from like number 45 to number 120 or from number, you know, 96 to number six? Like what's that process you go through and how can a game like Ark Nova come out and suddenly just jump to number one? How can it suddenly be your favorite? Granted, it's an amazing game and I love it too. It's probably my favorite or close to favorite right now as well. But like, you know, you just hate Cosmic Encounter now. Is that all that's going on? <laughs> you know, I like to say I, I feel like I was uh, slightly ahead of the curve on that one because on uh, Board Game Geek, uh, the Ark Nova is number nine now. It's yeah. it's one of the fastest games ever to jump up that high. And I said this before all that happened. I'm feeling real good about that. But also there's a couple games. Uh, Brass Birmingham is number three, and I've given that one a five. So then again, you know, I can't. Anyhow, Um I just put the games in order and then I see what the numbers are. I don't actually move numbers around. I just put them in order and I put them with the order of how I feel about playing them right then and now. And you know what? I know a lot of, that bothers a lot of people. You're like, oh, well, you know, if this is your favorite game, how can that ever change? Because I change all the time. My favorite foods change. Like for a long time, my favorite food was tacos. And since I am an adult 
and I can do what I want. I have my wife make me tacos every week. And you know what? After a couple of years of that, I was like, I still like tacos, but so I think some other stuff has moved up to my favorite. I've, I've, I've got my fill of tacos. They're still my top 10 favorite foods, but there's other stuff that <laughs> beat it out now. Like I'd rather have a lobster Reuben than a, than a, a taco at any given point. So I, if that stuff can change, then so can my games. I never feel bad about that. Yeah, Ark Nova. I don't know if Ark Nova will be one next year, but I tell you, when we made a top 100 list, I was playing it once a week on average. You know, wow. there's just, I look at what games am I playing? What games am I having fun with? I said that game was amazing, but I haven't played it for five years. Should it be in my top 50? I don't think so. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. I would say that was going to actually kind of be a follow up then is that, you know, for your top 100, like, do you have a time threshold of like, I probably have played this game within the last. X number of years at minimum for it to stay in your top 100. Not that it's like a hard, fast rule, but just something. No, because sometimes I haven't played a game, but it's because it just hasn't worked out. So I take that into account too. Like, well, I haven't played this, but uh, the pandemic was going on for a couple of years or whatever it might be. I don't have any hard and fast rules. I do it all by gut feeling. And I'll never apologize about that because I found I was a teacher and I found that when you use rubrics, when you use things to kind of determine you you could fill in the numbers and then it just doesn't feel right something can hit every part of that rubric and yet not be your favorite game why is that because that magical thing called fun just can't be quantified and i get called out for this sometimes i'll i've I've even watched my own reviews where i'm in one review i'm like i don't like this about a game another game i'm like i like this and it's the same thing in both games But in one game, it just worked for some reason for me. And in the other game, it didn't. So I don't know. I just like talking about that stuff. Oh, that's great. So another thing you often mention is, you know, with the number of games that exist out there, that just because a game isn't in your top 100 or 200 even doesn't mean it's a bad game or that it's not a good game. But uh, where does that stop? Like, at what point is a game no longer good? Is it number 556, number 1200? Like, when are games no longer good? I don't I don't know what the number would be, but let's actually I can give you a pretty good uh, guess here. So if we go to my profile and we look at the number of games that I have rated. So I've rated seven thousand six hundred ninety two games. OK, <laughs> so uh, let's get out the, uh, the calculator here of those seven thousand six hundred ninety two games I have given. OK, hang on. Let me pull up the calculator uh, here. Um, uh, cow Q. There it is. Okay. Sorry. All right. So I give a 91 games, a 10, not really some of that's expansions, but you know, I don't have time to worry about that. 574, a nine, 1,525, an eight and 2,122, a seven. So that's 4,312. There you go. So at number 4,313, <laughs> but even that isn't bad because sixes, I don't think are bad. So we'll say sixes are okay. So it's at number 6,064, 6,064. And at that point, it's not good. I have 857 fives, 386 fours, 228 threes, 122 twos, and only 36 ones, but those ones should all be burned. <laughs> I think right. I've seen more quick but quick reviews of bad games than 31 on Dice Tower. <laughs> well, that, yeah, but I mean, that's because I don't, I could say a game's terrible yeah. and it's a three. A three's terrible. I mean, if you don't blame me, take home and say, hey, mom, I got a 30 and see what she says. Oh, that's, <laughs> well, it's not as bad as a 10. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but that argument never worked on my parents. Like if I said I got a 50, at least it wasn't a 20, that didn't work. <laughs> there's your there's your uh, doctorate goals, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At least it's not a 20. Um, so one question that wasn't on the sheet, but I hope it's okay that I ask, because I wanted to ask a little bit about Dice Tower Essentials. Um, and if you've talked about this in content elsewhere, my apologies. You, you, as you know, you we produce a lot one. of content. Well, I, yeah, exactly. We've got, we've got one right there. Um, what it, kind of what was the impetus for creating Dice Tower Essentials? And, you know, overall, the games that have been part of the line are exceptional. I own multiple of them, and they've all been games I really enjoyed. You know, is this something that you're planning to continue? Because obviously we know Foundations of Rome is out. It was the most recent one that I know about. I haven't heard of any future ones. Um, but uh, what, you know, there's at least three that I know about. I mean, one one has already been kickstarted. It was the uh, superhero one, which name is skipping my mind, the Superhero Defenders of the Realm. Um, oh, okay. Uh, but uh, and there's another one which I don't think I can announce yet. But anyhow, I did it initially because I would occasionally run across a small card game and I'm like, man, I wish somebody would reprint this. Man, I wish somebody would do this. And I thought, well, what if I could find a company who would do that for me? And I'll just put my stamp on it. And so I was like, I'm going to go around and ask a bunch of companies and maybe one of them will say yes. And the very first company I asked, Arcane Wonder, said yes. So we were done. <laughs> and that was that. Um, and so, yeah, that's what it is. It's just a, a licensing agreement. But I, again, I made it, I mean, we set some strong rules in play. I never, they are not allowed to, to pitch me games. I bring the games to them because I don't want it to be something where I stuck my, that seal on a game that I don't think is good. Um, I'm very proud that the very first one was a phenomenal hit Sheriff of Nottingham did extremely yep. well. That was a big deal. People loved that game. And Onitama was also a pretty big hit for how small that game was. It still does very well to this day. And of course, nowadays Foundations of Rome is not doing bad at all. Although that was that game looks much different than I had anticipated when I first <laughs> looked at it. So So yeah. is this obviously, you know, originally you said that it was games that you wanted to be reprinted. Um is that do you or is that still kind of just the impetus if you go around you play games you're like i think this game seems great have people tried to you know outside of arcane wonders have other people tried to pitch you on games for and be like hey people I think this do would be great but game. i i mean i don't normally look at all the games in fact you'll find me a very hard person to pitch a game to like i didn't play I, one of my employees Roy Canada is making a game called last light and i didn't play that until we played it live on the channel during the kickstarter campaign I refuse to look at it before that. If you ask me at a convention, look at your game, I will likely say no. Um, just because it's just good for me. I have to cut some things out of my life to save time. And if the Dice Tower did, hey, we're taking a look at prototypes. <gasps> oh, my word. It would be <laughs> it would be madness. So does that dash my dreams of Emerson bringing uh, Metal Gear Solid to uh, Dice Tower Essentials? <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. When I heard that Metal Gear Solid was being let go by, was it IDW, I think, that was yeah. doing it? I emailed, I texted Emerson five seconds later, and I was five seconds too slow. Oh, no. <laughs> so, all, I don't I don't know who has it. I, I don't remember. I might know who has it, but if I did, I deliberately forget things I'm not supposed to tell people. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's not Dice Tower Essentials. Twas it Dice Tower Essentials, I would have been very happy, but what do you do? 
We thought he was joking when he told us there was a 200 page rule book, <laughs> but he wasn't joking. <laughs> All right. So to kind of start to move towards wrapping things up here slightly, obviously, Tom, you've been in the board game industry for um, quite a while. So what are the biggest changes that you have seen for good within the industry? And what are maybe some of the changes that you've been a bit disappointed in seeing in your last, you know, 20 ish years that you've been doing this board game thing? Well, it, for on the good end, the diversity in the hobby is much better. I, I remember the my first conventions I went to, like at Origins, and 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 seeing so few women there. Um, and now we there's so many people involved in the hobby from different walks of life and different things. Obviously, we still have a ways to go, but man, that's a very positive change in that regard. Positive in uh, the quality of games has gone up so much. I used to look at the Days of Wonder games and say, these are top of the line. Now they're just ordinary games. Uh, we really have that quality of games going up, and not just in the components, but games are getting better. More good games come out now in a year than came out in the entire 90s. I know people dispute that, but they're usually really old, grumpy men. Um, and so that's a good. And the bad, the biggest problem I have today is I, I worry about consumerism. And I know that people could argue, and it would be a reasonable argument, that the Dice Tower is at the lead of that in a sense that we're always pushing new games. And I understand that, and that's why we try to talk about older games too and push that. We talk about new games so that you can choose which ones to buy, not so that you buy all of them. Now, this has always been a problem. Whenever people get into the hobby, they want to have um, – you know, all they just start buying hundreds of games, you know, dozens and dozens of games. And at some point they're like, okay, that's too many. But I'm talking about more than that. Any new Kickstarter that comes out, it comes in the mail. The boxes are huge. The miniatures are gigantic. There's 700 expansions you're never going to play with. Um, I said, as we just talked about uh, <laughs> Foundations of Rome, you know, but there's, and, and, and the thing is, that's no longer an anomaly. It's happening all the time. And with shipping prices going through the roof and gas prices going up, something's going to give here. But there's this breakneck pace rush to just having stuff and people doing that. The other thing is, is I, I, I kind of wish more people would call a spade a spade. We Every game that comes out can't be good. It yeah. just by very nature can't be good. And so if I tell everyone every game's good, I've done no help to the hobby. But I think that's swinging around now because you can't buy all the games. So you want to know which ones aren't good. Yeah, I will say we uh, talk about the price of Kickstarters all often on this show because all the time. Yeah, it is something that is, you know, people who like to both play, but also like, you know, getting Kickstarters is fun. It's exciting to be like part of, you know, the the zeitgeist that is happening during that time. And the number I think Josh and I have progressively passed on more and more and more because we're just like, how much, you know, can you possibly do this? And, 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 but it feels like you kind of need to, to be in the, well, in the I'm know, constantly you know, arguing about the cult of the future because we're always looking to what's coming out. Like at where I'm about to run a convention here, Dice Tower East. I, I ran a retreat last year and people came to retreat and it's like, do you have weather machine? I was like, what are you talking about? It's not even out yet. And that's going to happen here too. People are like, is, is this new Kickstarter here that, that that was just announced? Like, no, but there's several hundred games that just came out. And yeah. everyone gets excited about a Kickstarter. It shows up mail. They take a picture of themselves standing next to it to show how that's as tall as they are or how much stuff they have. They get excited about it and then immediately get pumped about the next Kickstarter. Take some time to smell the paint on the miniatures. 
It's yeah. play the games that you've gotten. I, I, you know, we always talk about cult of the new, but cult of the future is worse because you get a box, you stick it on your shelf, and then you immediately go and look on Kickstarter to back the next thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I will say though, also your video that you did um, talking about shipping prices and everything that was going on with that was really, really enlightening, um, and just seeing like the impact that that is having on the industry from you know just even like the, the Kickstarter that you all ran to you know for you know folks who are shipping out board games uh that it was a really interesting look into the side of the industry that when we see these shipping prices for kickstarters everyone's like no way this is this can't be the the prices but then you know seeing that broken down was was very very helpful so with that i'll say with that then you know as we just talked about the cult of the future uh <laughs> what are you most excited looking forward to in the future of games or the future of the dice tower like what are the things on the horizon that excite you about uh... still being in this industry Conventions, baby. I'm so excited to go to conventions. We got Dice Tower East two weeks from today for me. Um, I got um, Gen Cons a month away and more. I'm excited to see people again. I like people more than games. So that's what's exciting to me. There's, I'm sure there's new games coming out. I very rarely look at them. When I back a game for the Dice Tower, I don't even read the updates. Except for X-Men <laughs> United. I was excited about that game. But I got it now. But I mean... When games show up in the mail, they're almost always a surprise to me. I'm like, huh, that's cool. But um, so every year we do a, a top 10 anticipated of the year, and I have to work hard to figure that out because I'm not really looking forward as much. I want to look at what's coming out now. Um, so yeah, future of the Dice Tower, well, I can't tell you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I got ideas and new things all the time. But right now I'm just solidifying the team that I have. I think we have such a great um, you know, for a while it was just me, Sam, and Z. Now I got me, Z, and Mike, but sometimes we'll switch it out. It'll be Chris, Wendy, Camille, and Roy, or sometimes it'll be a combo of those. And I feel like we are now able to plug and play different combos of people on our, our show, and I think it's working really well. Josh, looks like we have at least one listener question. You want to take us through? We got two. Tom, we did our preamble today but usually kyle and i talk about weird stuff like food or food is not weird (laughs) food is amazing so that's where our questions are coming today they're not even well one of them is kind of board game related kind of food related i'll do the one we skipped last week um i didn't copy but it's from uh at golden god on twitter he says hey Board of the VG, hit me with your favorite grilling sauces. Tom, you are welcome to answer this as well as you are in a great grilling state. Uh, let's let, how about, do you want to go first as our guest? Do you have a, you have one right off the top? Okay. Well, my favorite, my favorite thing is actually not a sauce. It's a rub that I get from Berkey. Uh, Berkey is the guy who makes um, table toppers. Okay. Or game yeah. toppers, game toppers, sorry, game yeah. toppers. Uh, and so he makes me something called Happy Mouth. He makes a whole pile of this seasoning, and it is amazing. It works on everything. Uh, other than that, though, if I'm grilling um, lemon lime, um, just various sauces. Anytime I go to stores, I buy sauces and I try them out. I'm always curious. I'm very excited now because I just found watermelon barbecue sauce, oh. and I'm going to use that on something. It's very good. And I also got mango barbecue sauce because I'm not a Cretan. Um, but there are so many sauces. I am always buying new sauces and trying new stuff out um to to do that with great kyle what's your what's your go-to well typically we actually kind of usually make our own marinades um from scratch but oh wow wow the pretentiousness (laughs) of the doctor shows up again (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I, I am a bit of a food snob. But if we're going for a really easy thing that you can buy in the store that's super great, uh, Grillmates 7 Spice Teriyaki 30-Minute Marinade is amazing. It's really, really good as far as those store-bought marinades go. Uh, the flavor it imparts, especially in chicken, is absolutely spectacular. Really good then to use that chicken in like a nice little burrito bowl, maybe make some uh, grilled pineapple and pear salsa to go on top of it. Oh, awesome. So Grillmates 7 Spice Teriyaki Marinade. It's awesome. Okay. Well, I'm the spicy boy in the group, but my recommendation isn't going to be spicy. Um because I think the older I get, the less spicy I can handle. Yeah, that's the uh, thing. I mean, I love spice hot sauces too, but you yeah. got you cook it for everyone, not just you too. I know. I gotta. Yeah, yeah. You're you're right. Uh, which is why I don't get to cook spicy too much. I don't know if you all have Trader Joe's where you guys are, but we have a, a place called Trader Joe's. They have a it's like a honey mustard barbecue sauce it's called Carolina rush or something like that that's my favorite but if you can't get that um uh stubs makes one too that's like a honey barbecue sauce that you can do on burgers people one of you is like i make my own sauces the other is like i go to the pretentious store trader joe's (laughs) or target target's fine with me too (laughs) (laughs) i'm okay with the target barbecue sauce uh as long as it tastes good uh so uh Golden God, otherwise known as uh, Joe, otherwise known as our Pathfinder GM DM. Uh, uh, Josh, real quick. Yeah. Tra- Do you really think I have a Trader's Joe's where I live? You know, I'm always surprised with what you do and don't have around your area. I'm going to cornfields around my no house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's just like local to, for me. I don't know if it's like countrywide. So I always got to ask. Yeah, I, I make my own a lot of our own sauces out of necessity because we don't have things <laughs> like Trader Joe's. You don't have a regular supermarket? <laughs> well, we do, but come on. I've never I've never been to a Trader Joe's, although I see that I was just one minute from one today earlier. Oh, oh well. I was too busy eating. Yeah, <laughs> well they, they next get time up there. Good food. We our go to a Trader Joe's. It's not that expensive. It's like five bucks. We get a bag of vegetable stir fry and a bag of orange chicken, and we put them together, and it's a delicious dinner. Mandarin orange chicken and vegetable stir fry. Very good. All right. Our second question comes from super listener Splig at Dopalicious on Twitter. He says, a new friend is over for an amazing dinner of sticky barbecue ribs, Cheetos, hot wings, Insert messy finger food. They're really excited to get into gaming with you. Do you risk a board game or a video game controller to gain a new player? Now, I'm happy to answer this first. No, you send them away. (laughs) Or you don't let them in the house until they have washed their hands three times. No, no, no. That's not (laughs) what it says here. It says a new friend is over for an amazing dinner, which means you're making the dinner. Why would you send them out of the house? Oh, that's well. What if I make them eat at the grill outside? <laughs> that's fine. That's how food should be. You sit there, you eat the dinner, yeah, and then you play games. You don't have to play games a hundred percent of the time. I never understand that people are like, ah, I have to multitask. No, spend some time eating with other people. It's just like playing a game, except you have to talk more. <laughs> Watch me defer. Yeah, you hear that, listener? <laughs> Tom, I got the answer for you. <laughs> Stop putting us in a box. 
No, I'm answering the question I asked. You're the one who changed it. You're the one who says, can you come over for barbecue? Now get out. Don't touch my games with your filthy hands. Here's Monopoly and Scrabble. (laughs) Get outside. (laughs) All right, I'll let you gentlemen answer since (laughs) I get the wrong answer. (laughs) Kyle, what do you do? Well, I mean... Josh, I don't know how you do things in Massachusetts. Oh boy, here but we like, go. We, but we have like, <laughs> no, I don't have a Trader Joe's. <laughs> I do have a sink in my home that they could wash their hands at, and then we could go play games together. Well, um, Spring is in Iowa or Idaho. He's in one of the I states, like you. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's totally fine. Let, let's risk it. Um, but I'm going to have them wash their hands first. Uh, though, if I, I will say though, if I'm, I am giving them a, a video game controller, it's going to be not my quote unquote controller. I'm going to give them the other controller. Um, and you know, for board <laughs> games, <laughs> may, for board games, you know, maybe we'll just play. You know, some of my older games. I, I stopped doing this in the last couple of few years, but my. Games when I first got into the hobby, I had to sleeve everything because that's like I think what people do when they get into it. Um, yeah. So maybe I'll pull out one of those games that all of my cards are sleeved on, um, and that's what we'll play to start. Um, but yeah, that's totally fine. We'll just have them wash their hands. It'll be great. Come on, I, I already answered answer. it. Eat the food, then then play a game. It's it seems very obvious. Okay. I don't care how messy the food is. We have time to do it. Fair. And Schwig is in Oklahoma. I know I said one of the I states. That was rude of me. <laughs> That's All like right. adjacent. <laughs> I adjacent, I suppose. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll move towards wrapping the show up. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we do give you want to give you one recommendation uh, that we're into as kind of helping us live that balanced life. Uh, with this, Thomas, the guest, you get the choice. You can either kind of name something first, or if you'd like Josh and I to go first, we can as well while you think of something. No, I got something, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm really struggling because uh, right now, a lot of the things that I thought I would like, I'm not as excited about, um, like the new marvel and star wars stuff it's okay but it's just okay. i've actually recommended things to avoid before so to help save people time well no but i just saw it's only two episodes so far but it's a new show on uh fx slash hulu called the old man oh yeah i saw a picture of that yeah it stars jeff bridges as a 70 plus year old guy who's a ex-spy or whatever and he's just living a quiet life and then they come for him and, and he does secret agent stuff, but uh, a guy in his 70s. And the opposite is John Lithgow, or Lithgow, I'm not sure how to pronounce the name. And that the acting is phenomenal so far. I'm very intrigued to see see what's going to happen and how it's going to end out. I think the story is fun, but the acting is just top-notch all around. So nice. I, I'm only going off two episodes, so maybe it won't be as good when it finishes. But so far, I'm really enjoying it. Great. Good recommendation. Kyle, my, I wrote Top Chef, but I meant what you wrote, so I won't use that one. I'll use what we did today, which was for Father's Day. I chose, why, to take my son to see Buzz Lightyear in a, in a theater full of children with their dads. <laughs> uh, so we saw Buzz Lightyear. I thought it was uh, incredibly charming. They did what the Pixar does. They make you, They trick you into crying. They make you cry when you don't expect it to happen. Uh, And then there was also a funny moment in the movie theater where all at the same time, every child got bored and they just all simultaneously got loud and were walking around the aisles. It was like an exposition dump or something. I looked at my wife. I'm like, is this really happening? Every child is moving around at the same time. And that's really what it was, a little 
dull moment in action where every kid got bored at the same exact time. It was terrifying. <laughs> uh, but the movie was uh, was very good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, and if you like Pixar and Disney, that's not going to come to a surprise to anyone, I don't think. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not like breaking ground with a Buzz Lightyear review that, oh, surprisingly, it's incredible. No, it's probably just as good as you think it's going to be. All but right. it's enjoyable. <laughs> awesome. Well, my recommendation probably is no surprise to anyone who's ever listened to this podcast before uh, is food related. Uh, and that is Iron Chef is back, but this time on Netflix, Elton Brown is back. Um, but brings on some special guests and, and other folks with him as he, you know, revives the Iron Chef show um, and brings it to Netflix. They do a couple neat things uh, on Netflix with it, whereas not just having a secret ingredient, but also kind of a theme that the chefs need to cook around. You know, the one thing with these shows that I always wish they did more was focus actually on the cooking. Um, and usually that's always so brief. And, and I, that is the, kind of the one downfall of the show. But uh, still seeing. Yes, just... I don't care about the backgrounds of these characters. Show me the food. <laughs> right. I just, I, I mean, you have a 45 minute episode and you're like, okay, they get, you know, 75 minutes to cook, but the episode's 45 minutes and, you know, you got 10 minutes judging. Like, how did we get to these things? But I, I just think the brilliance of what people can come up with to, to make as someone who really loves to cook and loves to do these things, just the, the process of like what they can come up with to me is still just fascinating and i know that they know ahead of time it's going to be like one of three things and like i know all of that but just really their ability to kind of put these things together and then execute it is just still fascinating to me and i love it so iron chef on netflix is definitely if you liked iron chef before it's going to have a familiar feel with a few small changes if you've never seen iron chef eh, maybe you'll like the glitz and glamour that netflix brings to it so we'll see so with that, Tom Vassell, thanks so much for being us, with us this week. Uh, yeah. Where can people keep up with you on the internet? What would you like to plug? Uh, go to the Dice Tower. I mean, <laughs> if you just look at the Dice Tower, you'll find us. That's all I'm plugging. Oh, come on the cruise. We still got a few rooms left. Not many, but yeah. a few. Yeah, uh, Josh, keeps, us. <laughs> Josh keeps telling me I should go, but we're going to Disney World for two weeks in September, October. So I, I don't know. Two if we can... weeks? Well, 10 days, 10 days. Wow. Tom, okay. it's doctor money. He can come on the cruise. No, I don't have doctor money yet. I'm trying to get doctor money. So, but yeah, so 10 days to Disney World. But now in fairness, my wife and I have been married for like seven years and we've, we never went on a honeymoon. We've never gone on vacation really together. So this is kind of making up for a significant amount of time here. Cruise would be great for a honeymoon. I know. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So, time. <laughs> with that, Josh, what do you say we wrap the show up? Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, in addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. Uh, we try to tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji so we can... Uh, Share what we're playing, and if you do that as well, we can search that hashtag and see what you're playing. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. I'm on all the things. PlayStation, Xbox, Steam, at Why So Serious, S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. 
As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Sounds like Rost. I just wanted to uh, send you a little message. I believe you've known each other for quite some time, but you've never met in person. Well, as an outsider, I understand that. But keep training. Keep focused on each other. Have each other's backs. And keep broadcasting that podcast. You're doing God's work. All right, guys, take care of yourselves. Best of luck. Rost.